Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick DeLion with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today, we're going to be talking about the Bundesliga, everything Bundesliga. It's Oktoberfest here on Off the Post. And then we're going to be dabbling a little bit with the situation going on in Manchester City. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, Lucas. So we have the Bundesliga and we have Manchester City. Which one do you want to talk about first? I think we could talk about Manchester City for a while. So I think let's go into the Bundesliga because Bundesliga did return this past week with a absolute banger. Uh, it's actually a very tight race here. I would say, and I would argue, the Bundesliga is the tightest race out of all the top five leagues. Yeah, statistically, you're correct. You know, you have uh, you have essentially a six-point gap separating first through sixth. Freiburg, before, you know, they resumed the break, right? They were, I believe, in second place, and now they're down to six. But it's not that far of a gap, you know? I think... The, the thing that's interesting is just the goal difference between these teams, yeah. right? Bayern is at 38, Union Berlin as at 10, Dortmund at 12, Leipzig at 15, Frankfurt at 14, and then Freiburg at zero for some reason. Um, I mean, Bro, it's crazy. It is actually crazy. And I think, in my opinion, I think Bayern are still going to end up winning the league just because of that goal differential. And then they're going to get into form. Uh, they have Jon Sommer, who just joined but he's still going to be a huge uh, component to that team. But again, I mean, six points differentiating first and sixth place, you don't see that in any of the top five leagues. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I think the thing that's so interesting about Bayern Munich is, I mean, so they signed Sommer, right? It's pretty clear that Neuer is going to take a while to return if he ever does because of the skiing accident. They also fired their goalkeeper coach, right? Because oh. So their goalkeeper coach had a relationship with Neuer and then uh, kind of spoke out against the club, you know, and it's just been kind of disappointing to see from the board's view. So they ended up sacking the the goalkeeping coach, which I think kind of contributed to like Sommer having like not like as amazing of a start as he we, we would expect for him to have. But, you know, with them getting the reins in, essentially, I could see this getting better significantly for Bayern in the second half of the season. You know, they've dropped a lot of points. It's usually been because of them, not more so the other teams that they're playing against. So, And it's hard, right? You win as many Bundesliga titles in a row as they've won, then that's why you become complacent. You know, that's what opens the door for this being the tightest race that we've seen since, uh, since like, 08-09, essentially. Yeah. And, and so, I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, and so it's going to be interesting to see how Union Berlin and Dortmund end up playing out because both of them have gone on a run and, and have won four in a row to, to end up closing this gap, right? So yeah. it'll, be, it'll be cool to see what ends up happening here. I think with uh, Bayern getting healthier, Bayern getting Joao Cancelo as a right-back option, He's already scored. He's already had two assists in two games, which is just insane. Um, I think they're gonna just run away with it, but I'd like to see it come close. I'd like to see Dortmund, as you mentioned, have been in incredible form. Gio Reyna has been shutting up all of the critics right now. He's been scoring goals left and right. He has had a fantastic uh, goal-to-minute ratio over the past three weeks. And really, uh, you just want to see a tighter battle, which is not something that we're seeing in the rest of the league. Uh, but again, if we end up seeing Bayern 
dropping off. I think the reason for that could be them focusing on the Champions League, potentially getting players hurt, and that's the only way I can see Dortmund or Union Berlin really stepping up there and taking uh, the title. Yeah, and I think Dortmund getting Sebastian Haller back uh, is huge for them because he was the striker that was supposed to replace Holland. He scored against Freiburg last weekend, and it's it's important for them, right, because he wasn't available that first half of the season because he was battling testicular cancer, and now he's healthy enough to yeah. be able to play, which is an amazing story in and itself. Uh, but I think that having them, uh, having him essentially is going to be essential. And honestly, I, Union Berlin's had a great season, but I, I think it's going to end up having them fall off. They play Leipzig uh, this upcoming weekend, so that's a huge game for them. But I could just see Dortmund having that room to, to improve and to, to continue the form that they've been on, whereas Berlin, you know, is kind of struggling to score. Uh, and, you know, Bayern is just going to get assorted. But the scoring hasn't really been the problem, and conceding goals hasn't been the problem. It's just been these weird games where Bayern have just ended up dropping points for absolutely no reason. Yeah, no, totally agree. I mean, we, we've seen it over the past couple of years. Bayern just randomly drop points. You see them facing Gladbach and always just drop points against Gladbach. But now they got the kryptonite that caused them to drop those points. They have the goalkeeper that was saving every single shot um, from Gladbach, which is, I mean, uh, not to get into it too much, but it's kind of ridiculous how Bayern are able to just like, there's a, everybody has a B team, right? But when you're looking at Bayern, Bayern's B team is the rest of the Bundesliga. They're like, hmm, all right, our goalkeeper got hurt. We don't like this goalkeeper. So let's, let's take Jan Sommer from Gladbach. That's our goalkeeper now. Like, it's kind of crazy to to see that it's happened. And, like, it's happened for years. Robert Lewandowski from Borussia Dortmund. Mats Hummels from Borussia Dortmund. Mario Götzett from Dortmund. Like, it's been happening for years. And it's kind of, like, crazy. Like, I don't know how Bayern has been able to get away with this for so long. I don't know how the Bundesliga teams have been able to... I don't know. Uh, why are they letting this happen? It's just Bundesliga teams have to approve of the signings, you know? It's just the pull. It's the pull that Bayern has on the, the the players, right? Most of the players that they recruit are mostly German. Bayern is the most successful German team. And it's it's kind of the equivalent of, like, lower-level Italian teams going to Juventus or, or Milan. Except for Bayern, it's just them because they've won for— Think about it, Lucas. They've won for a full decade, right? So any player that's growing up that's that's— in their teens, like, or that's essentially, you know, was eight years old at the time when they started this run, is, is a teenager that's coming into form into professional football uh, and is German, like, why wouldn't they want to join Bayern Munich? You know what I mean? It makes sense to them. And I think that's the pull they end up having. Lewandowski yeah. different situation because he came on, on a free, and that's probably the best, the, one of the greatest transfers in, you know, footballing history and just in general by a club. But you know, every every other team had an opportunity to get him at the time because he was a free agent. They could have offered any amount of money for him to come. He ended up choosing Bayern because he wanted to be there. And it's it's just like if you were a player, right? If you were playing for Leipzig and Bayern Munich was interested in you, would you stay at Leipzig? You know, what uh, I mean? yeah, I see what you mean. So no, I, I would definitely go to Bayern. But like that's a, that's a different scenario when you're looking at a free transfer. Like, it, or a free signing. But, like, 
a lot of these Bayern are literally paying these clubs. And Jan Sommer was so cheap, dude. Yeah, but he's he's old and he's on the like the last year of his contract too. So he was gonna end up joining uh, or going to a different team anyway. You know, it's hard. It's just listen. They're they're if you were had to draw a list of the five best run teams in the world, they're one of them, right? Oh, for sure. It's them. It's like Real Madrid. You know, and then we could put like the other three in discussion, but it's those two, uh, and they're so well run. They never overbid, right? Like whenever they pay for a player, sometimes we're like, oh, that's a little bit too much. But we're never like, that's a bad signing, right? When they signed Martinez for like 60 million euros or something like that way back, right? Everyone was like, what is going on here? Or when they signed Hernandez for 70 million euros, you know, those are kind of, if you look at it, those are kind of overpays, right? But they signed those players and they, they paid value on those players. Uh, so it's just it's just interesting, man. It's just it's also like a lot of these clubs are mostly fan owned, right? It's the fifty plus yes. one school, you know. So yeah, a lot of times it's 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 interesting to see, but like a lot of these these clubs, like they they kind of like there's no real clubs that are gonna push Bayern really to the brink, other than the the ones that we're currently seeing now, and and mostly we expect for it to be Dortmund, but it's never been Dortmund for this past decade, you know. Whereas even in the Serie A, we have like Napoli now. It took a while because Juventus won consecutively, but Napoli, Inter, AC Milan, they've all won mm-hmm. the past three years. So eventually it'll happen, I think. But I don't know, man. It's going to be difficult. I, I, I don't think it'll ever happen with, with Bayern Munich. I think I'm just looking at their squad right now. The average age of their starters is roughly 25 years old, if you're counting Jamal Musiala, who has been in incredible form. He's one yeah. of the top stars moving forward but look at the players that you that Byron have that are younger than 25 or 26 they have Jamal they have Alfonso Davies they have Matias Delict who's i believe 23 still which is insane cuz i feel like he's been playing forever they have Gravenberg who's 20 years old Upamakano who's 24 uh, years old like insane that they have all these players that are just so young but like there are still players who are fairly young who are getting into the prime of their careers Serge Gnabry they have Leroy Sané who doesn't really play much I feel like he's been in the league for 10 plus years playing for Man City but he's only 27 years old right yeah uh Kimmich 27 years old like becoming one of the best center mids in the world I think it's gonna be a long time coming with this uh, Bayern Munich side. And when these 27, 28, 29-year-old players started to get older, you just know what they're going to do. You know they're going to get those younger guys from the rest of the Bundesliga teams. Like, I can totally see uh, what... Uh, I'm, I'm actually blanking on his name right now from Borussia Dortmund. Um, oh, Yusuf Mukoko. I've completely blanked on that. I can see him going to Bayern Munich because of the just sheer size of that club, you know? Yeah, but, like, they'd have to pay for him. Like, Dortmund isn't going to let him go, you know what I mean? Because they sold Sancho for the price that they did. They've historically sold players for reasonable fees. Like, Lewandowski, they sold at a good price. So I think Dortmund's the one team that Bayern will actually have to either pay significantly more for or we'll have to wait till uh, they go on a free. But I wanted to actually uh, t- ask you a question. So 
Um, there's apparently another another person or someone that we know that also believes Bayern Munich is going to win uh, the Bundesliga. Do you want to guess who that is? There's another person who thinks Bayern Munich is winning the Bundesliga. Our friend. It's our friends at FanDuel who have Bayern Munich at minus 1,100 to win the Bundesliga title still. So no change. Minus 1,100? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me read you the odds here. Dortmund at plus 1,600. Leipzig at plus 1,600. Union Berlin at plus plus 3,700. Eintracht Frankfurt at plus 8,500 and Freiburg at plus 14,000. So, like, I mean, to, to bookmakers all around, too, I checked Vegas Odds Insider. I checked DraftKings. They all have Bayern as an overwhelming favorite still. And why wouldn't you? You know, they've had hiccups all along the way this season. It's been a disappointment in the Bundesliga by their standards, and they're still in first place. So, like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have them, you know, first? Uh, they're I, yeah, they're I, just going to continue and uh, like really, it's gonna, it's inevitable. You just know what's gonna happen. <laughs> so I have a question for you: Who do you have as your player of the season? Uh, in the Bundesliga. Yeah. That's a fantastic question. So I'll read you. I'll read you the top scorers list. Uh, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you my player of the season, just to give you some some more info on this, because I've been following ever since the World Cup, I've been looking into it more and more, uh, and I think it's actually kind of crazy. So according to bbsport.com, right? So our top scorers in the Bundesliga is uh, Nicholas Volkrug of Wetter Bremen, who you know we saw in the German national team. He's got 13 yep. goals, three assists, uh, goal per per 74, um, per 90, right? And Cuckoo is second with 12 goals, ironically zero assists, which is, you know, kind of wild to me. He has the best goals per 90 average in the Bundesliga at 0.84. Masala has six uh, six assists with 10 goals. Marcus Thurm has uh, 10 goals and three assists. And then I have, this is my player of the season, uh, Kolo Muani with uh, nine goals and 10 assists uh, in the Bundesliga. 12 goals, 12 assists, and, you know, I think in all competitions there actually, let me correct myself, 14 goals and 12 assists in all competitions. And it's, uh, it's in 27 appearances. So I, he's essentially contributing to, to one goal a game, right. With his ratio, he was the guy who had that volley. If you remember at the world cup, that Amy Martinez saved, uh, he's been an unbelievable player. Eintracht Frankfurt actually got him for on a free transfer from Nantes. Uh, Fantastic this, business because what I'm seeing now is that he's potentially going to be worth eighty to hundred million. Yeah, for, in the next uh, summer. I mean, you want to talk about a player that like Bayern Munich would want to pay for? This is another one. I mean, I would want this guy on on my team. You know, he's got all the skill in the world. If he was to go to like Real Madrid, he'd be an ideal fit at Real Madrid. With yeah. Him brings too with the creativity and the selflessness. He's just an all around world class talented player. And uh, and he's only 24 years old, so he's not even going to be in the prime of his career for another two seasons, you know, three seasons. So really, really impressive for him. He would be my player of the year. I would say my player of the year would be uh, Musiala. Um, I mean, that the 10 goals, 6 assists, and 18 played, that's nearly a goal or assist in a game, which is just amazing numbers that you're seeing there. 
Um, and then, I mean, he's literally leading the line there for Bayern Munich. Uh, they're in first place. They're just dominating it right now. So I would have Musiala. Yeah, that makes sense. I was, I figured you were going to say that too. Um, I mean, he's a top scorer on the best team. Yeah. Of the, you know, so exactly. It's that simple. Do you see him moving to a different club? I don't at the moment. Um, I think Bayern Munich is where he needs to stay to develop his career. I think it's perfect for him right now at the moment to be there. Uh, but I don't see him moving until potentially uh, when his contract runs out or like when he gets like 24 years old, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's turning 20 in like a couple of weeks and he's still putting up this kind of uh, output. It's just insane to think about how talented he is. And you're right. I hope I hope it only, you know, continues. Um, yeah. The only place that I can see him playing is the Prem just because he was born in England. Um, sorry, no, he was born. No, he was born in Germany, moved to England when yeah. he was a, a young boy. So that's the only place that I can see him playing. Yep, and you know it's it's he's getting so much game time too. It's one of the best teams in the world. There's very few clubs you would leave Bayern Munich uh, to go for, right? Like Real Madrid, Barcelona, you know, and even then it's like a some it's like a fifty fifty, right? Because Bayern's are like right there in terms of reputation with them, but them some Premier League teams, right? Because of his English roots, so uh, so really really interesting to see, you know, how his career unfolds but man we're we're old we're getting up there man <laughs> we definitely are we're seeing all these youngsters come in it's just it, absolutely crazy um i mean speaking of the youngsters let's get into a future potential u.s men's national team player okay you know what i'm talking about florin balligan there you go baby Bro, do you think he's actually going to be in the U.S. men's national team? Do you think he's going to choose England? Do you think he's going to choose Nigeria? He's been in incredible form in uh, the Ligue 1 with 14 goals and 18 starts for Rhymes. He's currently leading the league in a league with Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar. And, I mean, you'll be happier about this. He's an Arsenal loanee, yeah. which is insane. Yeah. Um, where do you think he's going to decide yeah it's just crazy that uh it's crazy that you know arsenal went from having like no strikers to three strikers basically in like in like a season right because it's just crazy to see what they're gonna decide to do with him i think he'll get a prem loan next if uh Enkedia and jesus continue to stay just to see how he can perform in the premier league but to be doing this at 21 is is insane uh to answer your question i don't think he's gonna play for nigeria because of the because of the fact that Osman is their starting striker and it's like where would we necessarily play him along the front line you know so I think two. right two. right but I mean who plays that anymore you know what I mean <laughs> so I would I love know, I, know. I would love the four four two I think the four four two is like a really really underrated formation now because of how but it's but you know. It, the football is liquid, so at some points you do play four four two throughout the game. It's just that's not your your usual alignment. Um, but to to answer your question, I think it's down to to the U.S. and to to England mostly. And I mean, everyone's gonna argue about this, but I wish I, I wish the U.S. called him up just to see what he would say for the World Cup, because then at that point he would be cup tied. He would have played, 
you know, I just don't know what conversations went on at that point for him to, to at least not be considered at all, even though he was an English and international. What's wrong with that, right? Uh, I think, I don't know, man. I want him to pick the U.S., so I'm going to say he's going to go to the I, U.S. I, I think he's going to go to the U.S. In my opinion, I think the logical solution for him to make sure that he's getting uh, – 99% of the starting uh, games is going to the U.S. Because when it comes to England, they have so many options, you know. Like, like with strikers, they will have an abundance of strikers. He's going to have so much competition. Whereas if he goes and chooses the U.S., boom, instantly in the starting 11. Right? right. You'll have Gio Reyna, uh, him, and then Pulisic on the right. Or Weya on the right. Like, whatever it may be. But you know instantly he's going to be the starter in that number nine role. And that's why I think, in my opinion, he should choose the U.S. I can see him wanting to be with England because he can play the Euros. He can play more World Cups where I wouldn't say the U.S. is not going to not make the World Cups moving forward. They have a very talented side. But England is pretty much making the World Cup nine out of ten times you know right and the competition for for both teams is is really high for england and nigeria like to read the teams right we talked about lookman for atalanta how insane he's been his shot for conversion rate the fact that he's uh you know in the top three for syria top goal scorers osaman who's the top goal scorer they have emmanuel dennis as well you know they're i mean Balogun could be better than almost every player here with the exception, currently, I would say Lookman and Osman are, are rated higher, yeah. right? Inacho is also a player that has a shout, but, like, there's competition there. Uh, for England, it's way harder, right? Like, Harry Kane, you know, Eddie and Eddie now, too. You know, there's so many strikers that— They can play Marcus Rashford as striker. play Rashford as striker. You know, like, you have Ivan Tony too, who isn't even have a cap, right? Tammy Abraham's another one. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, so like that right there. That's four or five players that they that he would have to compete with for a starting spot in England. But the, with the U.S., it's like you said, he's gonna get capped. It'll be crazy because he'll he'll end up scoring with the service that he gets. He's exactly what the U.S. men's national team needs right now. And yes. with your head coach Jesse Marsh managing the way, then you know we can see stuff happening here where where they're a young attacking team. They're getting chances, and that he's scoring them as well. I think, I think the U.S. from you know you can't determine what his heart wants, right? But I think I think from a logical perspective, the U.S. one is the one that makes the most sense. I agree, and that's that's why I would say that. Right, and we hope. Me and you hope. We hope. Know. We hope. We hope because because they have all the talent in the world, right? The U.S. has all the attacking talent. All they're missing is essentially a striker. And then if we if we look at it on paper with him in the form that he's in in that team, the U.S. is is in the top 15 in the world, I think unquestionably yeah, yeah. in terms of talent too. So when you're in the top 15 and you're in a tournament, anything can go. You have a chance to win any tournament that you participate in. And that's where I think it's going to be good for his career and also for the uh, United States men's national team. Nah, fully, fully agree there.
I mean, speaking of the U.S. men's national team, uh, I mean, let's just get into Jesse Marsh. You did briefly bring up Jesse Marsh. I know we're going all over the place with this pod, but I, I actually like this kind of format. Not structured. We're just shooting our sh- shooting our crap. Uh, Jesse Marsh has been sacked by Leeds United in less than a year after he has taken over. He's brought over three U.S. men's national team players who have become focal points in that starting 11. Nick, what are your thoughts on Jesse Marsh being sacked? Uh, I understand. I don't like the timing of it. I think that it would have been better to sack him before the transfer window even opened if they were going to do so. You know, you could have had a lot of time to get a manager in, to get the signings that that manager specifically wanted, to make the changes that, you know, would be beneficial to this team. I think this team is talented enough to stay up, honestly. They made a lot of decent signings yeah. in the January transfer window. Uh, Inanto, who scored against Manchester United, you know, is a very talented player. They have a lot of good attacking options. Obviously, their defense is what leaves a lot to be desired here with the team, yeah. but just how they play, right? They, they score a lot. They try to play really good football, which they do. They press, and then they also end up conceding a lot of goals. So, so it's kind of uh, it's kind of crazy to see this happen because we 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 are fans of him, but at the yeah. same time, it's expected. And I think you know he is just a natural fit for the U.S. men's national team job if that position was to get open. No, I fully agree about he being a perfect fit for the U.S. men's national team job. He was a great manager, and he wouldn't have gotten the Leeds job if it wasn't for him being a great manager. And he helped them stay up last season. Like, people forget they were in the relegation battle. Um, I just think the timing was just so mismanaged. It was absolutely poor from the directors to fire or sack him right after the transfer window. He's brought in all the players that he wanted for his club. And then they just give him the sack because it hadn't literally gotten to the point. He only had two transfer windows, really. Um, So I think that it wasn't the best thing for them to do. I agree with you wholeheartedly about them sacking him before the transfer window. That way the new manager can come in. And I don't even think they have a new manager at the moment. They still haven't appointed anybody. Uh, so it, it's just, to me, it doesn't make any sense the way that they did it. Probably not the right move, but it is, uh, something to keep an eye out for the U S men's national team. Right. And then sidebar before we transition into the premier league to talk about Manchester City, Manchester city, uh, Leeds, you know, they have a game against Manchester United after drawing again. I've never seen teams played back to back in the prem like this. Honestly. Yeah. I can't even remember the last time something like this happened, but they're uh, playing Manchester United and then they have a huge, huge game against Everton afterwards and Southampton. So, so big run for Leeds coming up here uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they deal with the the new manager bump. But with that being said, Lucas, do do we think it's time to talk about City? I think it's time to talk about Manchester City's downfall, baby. Let's go. It's been 15 years coming. It has been 15 years, dude. Absolutely crazy. What we thought was just uh, like they just had all this Qatar money, all this uh, Arab money. Turns out to be actually 
and regulations that they have been breaching. There were 115 different regulations that have been charged uh, for Manchester City breaking. The Premier League is the one that actually charged Man City with this. Previously, the UEFA actually uh, charged Man City. They had a two-year transfer ban. That was washed out because I don't know why. But now with the Premier League actually charging Man City, something has to be wrong, right? Over a 14-year period, they have been doing things such as just playing with the books, messing up everything with transfer-wise. Somehow, Manchester City became one of the wealthiest uh, clubs in the world in terms of profit, yet they don't have the fan base to have that profit. I don't really get how that worked out, but now it all makes sense because it is actually them messing with the books. Right. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening for them punishment wise. You know, I've heard people talking about them getting relegated to, you know, whatever division or out of the football pyramid in the top four, which I think is not going to happen because of how big of a club it's become and how successful they've been. I mean, a hundred breaches is crazy, right? But I could see something like a two-year transfer ban and then a point deduction for multiple seasons, right? Uh, 15 to 30 points in one season and 15 to 30 in another. That way it ensures that they don't qualify for the Champions League or any other European competition, no matter how well they do. So that's where I kind of see it going. I think that it's going to be something that definitely hurts them significantly. They are going to get a punishment that's going to be harmful for the club. And then, like, the impacts, right? Is is Pep Guardiola going to stay on? You know, is the players that are currently there, are they willing to stay on? They have a lot of good young players coming through, right? So, you know, it wouldn't be conceivable to see some players leave on a free transfer and for them to bring some of their youth team up to play, like Lewis, right? Like we've seen with Foden in the past. And then, you know, I know that players like Sancho left and Masaila left, but uh, but like those are examples of players that you would typically see that you would want to promote in a situation like this, like what Chelsea did uh, when they had their transfer ban. So kind of interesting to see. I don't know how, what you think in terms of the punishment that they would likely receive. Uh, it would be cool to see them gone, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to be gone. I think a 15-point ban, a uh, 15-point uh, deduction, 20-point deduction, whatever it may be, to get them out of the top four. Uh, and I think potentially, if it actually comes to fruition, a Champions League ban, like or European football ban, where they don't get any European football, and that's going to cause the players to not go and join Manchester City because players want to play in the Champions League. They want to play in the Europa League. I mean, not really Europa League, but you know what I mean. They want to play in Europe. Right. So I think a two-year European ban would negatively impact them, cause them to sell the players that don't want to stay there because of the Champions League. I mean, look at Erling Haaland. His favorite thing is the Champions League. He grew up listening to the Champions League anthem. And if he finds out that Man City have a two-year European ban, I can see him leaving, right? right. I just I don't know if it's going to happen. They said it's going to take two years for the case to be solved. Man City have come out and already come out with the lawyer who they're going to pay 800,000 pounds 
a week to actually help them in this case. And Pep actually came out today on Friday and said that he believes that there was no wrongdoing. He believes that the club did not lie to him, so he is staying with the club. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's going to be interesting because this this isn't something that I think has happened recently because their businesses over the past five years have been very good. But this is from like the 10 years of before Pep Guardiola, right? From like 08, yeah. like all the way till like 2017, 2018. So really interesting to see what ends up happening uh, next. But yeah, but, you know, I'm optimistic. I hope to get a point deduction this season, you know. I mean, uh, it's going to be a tainted uh, Premier League for Arsenal anyways if they get a point deduction. I, know. I mean, you guys have nothing to worry about. Man yeah. City lost to Spurs last week. You guys are literally in a fantastic position to win the league. Don't you worry, child. <laughs> so with that being said, uh, I think we covered all the topics that we wanted to this week. Is there anything else that you'd like to discuss, Lucas? I I would like to apologize for our bets for last week. We're gonna we're gonna investigate. We're gonna do our research even better next week. We're not we're gonna take a week off because last week was just absolutely horrendous from both myself and Nick. Uh, next week we're gonna come back even stronger, and we're gonna give you some lines that we think would be fantastic for everybody to bet. Yeah, we went with our guts. Uh, normally we would research, right? Like we knew we both knew that. You know, Tottenham have uh, essentially been Man City every single time at their home stadium. That Man City have not won a game there yet. We also knew that Arsenal hadn't won at Goodison Park in some time, too. We chose to ignore it because we were impulsive. And we should have not done that and just gone based off the research. So we definitely do apologize for that. Uh, But we do hope you guys enjoy them, Techers, this weekend. Enjoy them, Techers, everybody. See you next week.